0: The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com
1: to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. I play the message, and I hear a kid laughing.
0: Can they take a physical object like that? Like, could is there any record in the story? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs>
2: Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now here are your hosts. Paranormal author, researcher and speaker, Ronnie Leblanc, and the host of the Curse of Oak Island Drilling Down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake.
0: Bigfoots and mummies and gin. Oh, my. <laughs> Our guest tonight will be David Weatherly, author of the book Strange Intruders, also Wood Knock, three-part series. This guy is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable interview, Ronnie. Uh, I make an admission, uh, uh, a story I went through that I don't talk about you've kept it close to your chest for a while at all that you've known since pretty much the day we met. Yeah. Um, and boy, it goes in a direction that (laughs) I did not expect this interview to go. Um, if you're, I'll warn you, if you are squeamish about these type of spiritual matters, you might not want to listen to this interview. (laughs) Um, if you feel like you could be spiritually attacked or something like that, um, this interview gets pretty wild, but pretty awesome. Ronnie, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you, Matty? Fantastic. Uh, energized. Back here, we had an experience, you and I. Yeah. Um, I mean, should we just get into it? Because I teased it on an interview. In, let's let's. Yeah. Do it. All right. Let's do it. So, first of all, <laughs> you know, I listen back to these things. I keep going, first of all, hold on. By the way, I interrupt myself with new thoughts. My mind is very, uh, okay. It's a lot going on. I want to thank uh, Michael Devon. Yes. From the band Whitesnake. Many of you might love and remember Whitesnake. They are still touring, still rocking. We just saw them uh, last night. Last night. God, it was last night. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. Uh, Rocking Boston. David Coverdale still killing it. And Michael is the bassist and um, vocalist with David Coverdale. Yeah. Uh, Luminster native From from Monsterland Yes So that song you hear Which people have asked us about This Monsterland theme song That we come in and out of And plays in between and between the interview And all that Is an original By Michael Devon From Whitesnake Yeah And the record is From the Earth Available now on iTunes Amazon Everywhere you can get Your music right You know it's neat it was recorded at David Grohl's studio. That's um, unbelievable. And I think on the same board that they did
3: Nirvana's Nevermind.
0: Yes, because Dave Grohl, if you watch that documentary uh, Sound City, mm-hmm. he took a lot of that equipment out of that famous Nirvana studio and brought it to his home right. studio. So that what you, when you hear Monsterland, some of that was recorded right there in the Foo Fighter studio. So how how appropriate is that? Pretty Foo cool. Fighters. Man. I know Foo. I didn't even think about that till right now, until you just said that. Orange wonder baby. I was big. Holy moly. And <laughs> last week, we actually mentioned Foo Fighters. Doctor, yes. Dr. Lynn mentioned Foo That's Fighters. right. And yeah. we didn't know at the time. Holy shit. <laughs> 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 We're
3: going to have a lot of this popping. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> let's talk about that.
0: So I've never had a UFO experience, I've wanted one. And let me just say this if you listen to this podcast, um, Ronnie, my partner, has the magic touch. You have the juju, you have the orbs following you. You've had orbs, you know, when you've asked them on command, taking pictures of them. Yeah. You've had a Bigfoot sighting, all that. So I've been looking up into the skies for years. And here is our UFO story. (laughs) Um, We did an interview for another podcast on Father's Day Eve, Saturday night. Now, this particular podcast, uh, what was it called? I'm sorry. Spaced out Saturday. Thank you. Yeah. Spaced out Saturday. It's it's down south, I think. Yeah. Syndicated um, on a couple of radio stations down the American south, yep. east. New Orleans, and there's Cali, some of Canada as well. I think Atlanta, maybe. Yep. So um, we were guests on this podcast slash radio show. This paranormal podcast slash radio show. The host, Joe. Joe Rupe. Yeah. Did a great job, and but his time, it runs nine to midnight. Right. Our time, it was midnight to 3 a.m. So we right. knew it was going to be a late night. So Ronnie came over to my house. We got some dinner, uh, had a couple IPAs, IPAs yeah. and just <clears throat> did the thing. Three hours. It was awesome. And at the end of that three hours, uh, Ronnie said, you know what? I'm just going to drive home because, uh, you know, it's three in the morning. What am I going to sleep at your house till Fa- six? Father's and Day. And the next it's thing. Father's Day. It was actually bled into Father's Day. Right. Cause it's Sunday morning at 3 a.m., which I don't like, <laughs> by the way, because we know the significance of 3 a.m. And if you don't, we'll get into that in a Further episode, (laughs) but um, we walked outside and it just had that, it had that 3 a.m. vibe. It did, didn't it? And there was kind of an energy. There's always an energy between you and I when we get together on this stuff. And uh, we've had, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, synchronicities and things happen to us already. So when we walked outside, I immediately said to Ronnie, uh, "Let's go. Come on. You got the magic. Let's see something. I got to see my UFO. (laughs) Do your thing." As I said, do your thing. So we look up in the sky. And what do you think it was, Ronnie? A minute. A minute, maybe two? Maybe two. And first I'll tell you what we saw, just the basics, without without adding any adjectives or anything like that, just I'll tell you what we saw. We saw some sort of star-looking thing go very quickly across the whole entire sky. And by the way, we're in uh, Rhode Island where I live. Huge sky, tons of stars. We're right on the banks of what's called the Palmer River, which flows into Narragansett Bay, an expansive sky. so there's very, a whole, very little light pollution. Very little. Yeah. Uh, it was a great look at the starry sky. And this thing was moving faster than any satellite I've mm-hmm. ever seen, but it, it was the size of a satellite, size of yeah. a star. And it comes across the sky like this, and uh, we both kind of saw it at the same time. and We tracked it it disappeared for a minute right above us at like 12 o'clock and it came back into view again to my view and we both kind of started talking as we were watching it like well couldn't be a satellite it's moving awful fast couldn't be this it ain't a star it's moving right. it ain't a plane it ain't this it ain't that and then I started saying literally out loud right I said uh come on show us baby show yep. us and as I said that it started changing color it got right really bright red it started kind of emitting like a you could see the offshoots of the red light. And I said, flash, or do something to sh- power up or something.
3: And we're speaking out loud to this thing. <laughs> and then you saw a white flash. As as
0: soon as this thing, you were looking at it, almost like a Tiger Woods, So right? I did the Tiger Woods thing like this, going, show me, baby, show me, baby. And and it started getting brighter. And I was start, like, holy sh- you start, Yeah, you start seeing it almost changing color. Like, it's turning
3: red,
1: right? It's like doing it's what, what I'm red. saying.
0: It's doing what I'm saying. And as it goes, and I'm
3: watching, and all of a sudden, there was a flash in the sky after I said, you know, flashed something, and it was like somebody turned a flashlight on and went, choo, choo, and, and it, but it was like pointed right at us. It was, I was, <gasps> I lost my breath when it yeah. happened because it was like in response to what we're trying to get it to do.
0: As it was for me too, and I said, show us, show us. So I did not see the flash right? You because are, I was cupping like this, yeah. um, or maybe I wasn't meant to see it. I don't know. Um, but now I'll talk about why I think it's so significant because really... You could tell me, I, I didn't see a disc, I didn't see a hovering object, I didn't see a orb. I saw what... It looked like a, 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 satellite. White, a white star, like a star-like yes. object that was
3: moving across, it wasn't blinking, it was solid, it yes. was silent, and it was moving
0: Way faster than like a satellite. It looked like a satellite that I've seen a million times. You, you see what you think is a star, and it's yeah. a satellite kind of moving that at that pace. If you're watching us on YouTube now, I'm kind of, it's moving at this pace. This was moving at this pace. And it turned red, but it didn't leave a trail, so I don't think it was a meteor or, right. or anything like that. No. It was, and it was small. So truly, I don't know what I saw, um, but here's what's weird about it, is that you and I, Here's the metaphysical aspect, and this is why I think I might have seen something. You and I both saw it at the same time, which sounds simple, but it's not because we had this expansive sky, and for whatever reason, both we're both looking at the exact both, same spot. We both looked and went and you said Here we go. Here we go. And I and he, <laughs> Ian, when he said here we go, I was already seeing it. So that's kind of weird. Like with the whole sky, we both cued in on this freaking dot. It was the size of a star. And, okay, the other thing
3: is when you start <clears throat> talking to these things, right? Like, I mean, you said, come on, <laughs> do you magic? Make a minute. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. But uh, here we go. Here comes one moving. And the fact that you saw it changing color um, and it responded, and I, that flash was like, I felt almost like my pupils, like, whoosh. you know, it was, I heard you go <gasps> unbelievable.
0: Yeah, so, you know, and I'm still, it's funny with these things, man. I'm, I'm like still... I, I still, when that happened, I
3: still am in doubt what just happened. You know, because your, your brain is just trying
0: to rationalize... Ronnie, put it this way. How long have I been begging for a UFO and Sasquatch experience? Years. Right? Years. I had one, for all intents and purposes, and I didn't even mention it to Colleen and Max, my son and wife, till like... Father's Day night at like 9 o'clock. Oh, by the way, I think I saw a UFO last night. And Same it, thing you did? with me. Like
3: I had what forgotten is, about it. Well,
0: it's it's like for me, it's just like so exhausting to try to exp- like, oh, you just started doing a podcast. Right. And you think you saw some. It was 3 in the morning. I could just hear people
3: already. Well, here's the other thing. If you rewind to what we were talking about on that podcast, which they were talking about us coming onto the scene, and, and Joe had watched this, and he wanted to have us on, and we're sharing our stories. We're trying to get this thing moving here, and, and – uh, I don't. I don't know. The whole thing was just wild. We actually mentioned star UFOs too. We we mentioned that people will see these UFOs that will act like stars. They'll be sitting in the in a position, and then you're kind of whether you're projecting whatever. You start seeing them move, and they start zigzagging around to get your attention, or they just start taking off. And I felt like this. What we're watching, it flew by another one that was sitting in the sky, and that's what flashed at us. As it went by, this point, as it passed, the flash came like from a star.
0: But it it, it was so bright, like it was like a hundred times the, the. See, it was wild. Not, how did I not see that? Me cupping my eyes is not of a... I think <laughs> you were supposed to see. I really do. I think you were supposed to see that because if it was that intense, me cupping my eyes would I still would have seen. You would think right, right, dude. This is just <laughs> see now. This goes back to what we said before too on this very podcast. Um, be careful what you wish for. You might get it because yeah. As I was saying, show us, show us, and I started changing colors, I started freaking out. That's what happens. Because it just, just stopped in my chest. Because you you kind of
3: know deep down that there is a reason it's it's responding to you in a way. You know, uh, they, they can pick up on certain people that have, it's like radio waves, right? You're just turn, turning into a different it's, signal.
0: It's just like that story I told about. My bird, you know, when that when I was a kid, I still remember that fear. And, and when I saw that full-body apparition, apparition, I'm like, nope, don't want it, don't want it. And yet I yearn for it. Right. I yearn for it and when it happens, and even in my faith, in my faith life, there was one night, and we get into this in the interview, um, about my return to my faith in my 30s mm. and the faith of my youth. And all these wonderful things were happening, and then something very bad happened, which I'm going to talk to David, our guest, about in just a couple minutes. But one of the good things that happened was I was lying in my bed one night during this kind of slow reconversion, and I started praying. And I was, and my eyes closed, and I was just like, okay, you know, it's all talk. It's all talk. It's all prayer. It's all thought. I go, but they say you can really do stuff to me, like they say you can change my heart. You know what I'm like? This prayer, yeah. just opening up. And Ronnie, I felt like you feel uh, when a you get warmth. shot with morphine. That's what sort it of felt like. My whole, I felt a warmth go, and I start I had tears mm. streaming down my eyes. And I got, I didn't get blissful. I got scared. Like what's? I went, uh, this? and I was like, no, I don't want you in me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just so,
3: it's so. Well, I mean, even the idea of God can be scary. God, so you, right? I mean, right? not just aliens, but the fact that right. there's a someone, you know, an entity that's kind of controlling that, that concept like the, like is tough. Like, there's a...
0: The born-again's have this thing where they say, like, uh, I, I forget the exact phraseology, but it's like, you know, do you mean to tell me that the creator of all heaven and earth knows me? That's frightening. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be in me and yeah. affecting me. Like, that's frightening. Yeah. So the whole thing. Anyway, um... <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I'm still hesitant to say I saw a UFO, but I, I you had you saw a UFO, brother. By definition, yeah. I saw an object I cannot accurately it, identify. Right, right. Doesn't it mean it's from space. And you know, and an object that, on command, responded to what I said. Now it might be a coincidence. It might have been a meteor that was going to flame out red or whatever anyway, and it just happened to do it right when I said, "Show me something," which is. Ronnie's not buying it. <laughs> nope. Welcome to the club. Whew. Well, thank you, then. <laughs> and now I'm hesitant to go into the woods with you again because I'm going to see a big yeah, flip. That's, that's, flip out again. That's going to happen. Um, all right, let's move on from that. Um, there was tons of UFO stuff. We have Space Force. Can you believe that came out? What has Donald Trump learned in the last few months, you think?
3: Oh, man. He, I mean, look, at we were just talking about couple months there'll be another announcement something and then a space force so yeah he something's up right I mean he, he, he got some intel on on something here but
0: well you get you know again not to go through <clears> it again <throat> we've gone through it every podcast but tic tac ufo government starting to disclose and right. also our president is saying you know what space is a fighting frontier <laughs> like the earth like the ocean so it's like fighting frontier right what the, where'd that come from right yeah now Area 51 this uh, this kind of online thing put together I thought this is interesting they did UFOs and presidents the top 5 encounters oh. so they have the Harry S Truman thing and if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with that look that up uh, Dwight D Eisenhower supposedly made a treaty with aliens you can look Yo, that yeah. up too Re- is Reagan in the top 5 Re- let's see JFK that, that remember that memo where JFK uh, was it was saying basically that the UFOs could trigger a war with Russia like it was come it came from the JFK administration saying like hey Hey, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> get that intern out of the pool <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to get caught and also uh, find out what UFOs are because they thought UFOs would be mistaken for one of our craft mm. and Russia would start firing at us. So it's almost another government admission like right. taking UFOs seriously. Uh, then the Richard Nixon, Jackie Gleason incident. Oh. Have we talked about that? I feel like we On did. this podcast, I mean, yeah. Ian? We did? Yeah. Real quick, um, Jackie yeah. Gleason swore his entire life that he was you know into aliens UFOs he believed he was a believer and he became right. friends with president nixon and hounded nixon hmm. for a very long time you know tell me tell me tell me and according to gleason he swore to it till his dying day um, nixon one night took him to i don't i don't know if it was specifically area 51 but a base oh, I, I think it might have been was Wright-Patterson air see. force base it in ohio say, ding, ding, ding. nixon drove gleason to this says homestead okay Uh, In Florida. Okay. Yeah, yes. That's right. That's Florida. Uh, Here it is right here. Why am I I going off my memory? I can read it. Uh, They entered a heavily (laughs) guarded building and Nixon guided them to an inner chamber. There, Gleason was aghast. He was looking at what appeared at first to be mangled children, his words. On closer inspection, he realized that they weren't children. They were not human. Gleason told confidants that he felt very upset that the government hid such monumental secrets from the public. Mm. Uh, And then Jimmy Carter, his sighting. Um, No, but Reagan isn't in this particular Mm, list. But uh, I was thinking, too, go back to right here in New England. Um, We had a a large sighting right on the Charles River way back in the day. James Winthrop. James Winthrop. They see a UFO right in the Charles River. And then our first president, George Washington, claims in his journals, you can go look this up, that he saw some sort of orb (laughs) Hmm. and actually talk to beings that came from the orb. That's George Washington.
3: Freemason, too, by the way. Bingo.
0: So something's up. You tell us. <laughs> we also have some new sound, uh, and this is a local. This has a local. Again, Monsterland is recorded on the outskirts on the outskirts of Monsterland in Massachusetts here. Um, audio of pilots encounter with a strange object over New York surfaces. But however, this has a local tie to us, Ronnie, Because uh, this is a Piper PA-32R Saratoga. And I know Ian, our director, producer, knows his planes. Yeah. Um, This was flying over Huntington, Long Island. But it was a trip between Minuteman Airfield in Mm. Massachusetts. Probably, what, 10 minutes from here? Minuteman, maybe? Um, And Old Bridge Airport in New Jersey. So it took off from right down the street here and was flying over New York. And here is, and by the way, the FAAs confirmed this. It's an FAA tape. Here is the pilot talking with the tower and explaining that he's basically seeing a UFO. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, listen to this audio. This is between the pilot and okay. the tower.
2: Uh, dear, I see a mic or, um, I have uh, an object in front of me. I don't know what it is. You mean, like a drone or something? I don't know if it's a drone, but uh, it's bigger than the drone. Um, Alright, well Mike Alpha, I don't show anything on radar. Looks like it's at your altitude. Uh, affirmative. Do you need to turn or do anything? Um, I might need to make a slight left turn. That's fine, sir, and then I guess whenever you can
1: just let me know what you, what you think it is. Oh, we'll do.
0: I'm ready to make a slight left turn. <laughs> I love that. He's just trying to be calm, but um, he's out. like, you can hear in his voice. You know, these pilots are trained to be calm and, and under pressure. And Ian brought up during the tic tac toe, tic tac toe, tic tac UFO, uh, tic-tac UFO um, that these trained fighter pilots were laughing. And Ian, Ian was saying, you know, these guys don't do fear. Right. Right. I right. mean, they might be scared inside internally, but they don't do fear. So the laughter is like a way, of like, <laughs> it's look a ga- at this like man. gallows humor. Right. Kind of, yeah. And this guy's trying to stay calm to the tower. And you can just hear those little hesitations like, is it a drone? <laughs> Bigger than a drone. Do you need to evade at all? <laughs> I'm going to make a left turn, I think. You know what I mean? Like, you can hear. It's just stunning. So, it, yeah. So uh, that's all. That's that was a local story I just wanted to address. So this stuff just keeps coming. It's keeps unbelievable. coming and keeps coming. And by the way, it used to be so hard to get audio like this. Yeah. From the We're FAA. finding it
3: very freely now, aren't we?
0: Yeah, man. The FAA totally confirmed this. Yep, totally happened. This is our tape. This is our radar. Didn't pick anything up on radar. It was pretty big and
3: flying yep. at his altitude.
0: It's just like.
3: <sighs> well, we couldn't have uh, started this podcast at a
0: better time. Yeah. You can always tell. <laughs> you can always tell something's up with the delay. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you ask someone a question, like you don't want if you're trying to convey confidence in something like you don't want to delay. Like ask yeah. me, ask me, like pretend you're my wife. Right. And ask me, say, do you love me, honey? Ready? Do you really? See, do you tell, you really me, love tell me how you think this goes over. Right. OK. Do, do
3: you really love me, honey?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. you just to say yes. <laughs> All
0: right. Without any further ado, let's get to our guest, the great. David Weatherly. David Weatherly, thank you for venturing into Monsterland.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Well, we're psyched. Uh, I just read Strange Intruders. Uh, Ronnie gave me Wood Knocks, which I'm working my way through. Uh, It's just a phenomenal work. And um, we've got so many questions for you, so let's just dive right into it. (laughs) Sure, let's go. Um, So the first well, thing- let's
1: start with this are you enjoying the books
0: oh my god yeah awesome. i mean
1: awesome you know okay
0: <laughs> i know in the then we can go forward <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's right it's
0: could have gone real bad real fast <laughs> think, come to think of it um yeah no i you mentioned john keel in the intro of strange intruders and it's like it, it's it, it reminded me of a john keel book um and i know he was a huge influence on you right
1: yeah he was uh you know Of course, I found his material early on. I I started this stuff in in the 1970s. And uh, once I got beyond finding just the basic, you know, stuff on uh, newsstands and discovered Fate magazine, and of course he wrote for that, and then really started getting to some of the material that he wrote, oh yeah, my gosh, a huge influence. Uh, John Keel, Jacques Vallée, uh, you know, on the ghost side, people like Hans Holzer Mm. and uh, all those early guys. <clears throat> all those early influences on me, those guys were just, you know, they put out phenomenal work. And uh, Keel, I was able to meet uh, on a number of occasions oh, wow. uh, quite a few times and, and speak with him. And uh, it was interesting. He kind of, you read Strange Intruders, so, you know, he's sort of pointing me in a direction, you know, when I was looking at this Grinning Man uh, situation that I'd had. And uh, Keel, you know, I think he's one of those guys that still he gets a lot of respect now, but he, he certainly he still doesn't get enough, I think. Agreed. And Agreed. His, his viewpoint was always very holistic, which is something I've always had. Uh, and people are only just now starting to cycle back around to that. And, and when I say holistic, I mean that, you know, he was a big believer in looking at sort of all the phenomena across the board and questioning is there connected you know are there connected strands here what's the relationship uh, between these things and a lot of people mistake that for him saying oh you know he's trying to say you know flying saucers are dropping off bigfoot or something like that but that's that's not what it's about at all
0: right and and david real quick if you could because i'm realizing as you're talking we we do have a portion of our audience who have come to us through all kinds of different relationships and they're kind of new to the paranormal thing. Could you just explain who Keel was and the whole, you know, the high strangeness related to what, how he was writing and, and-
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, John John Keel, he's most well known for the Mothman Prophecies. So right. if you've ever seen the movie, uh, which is in itself a classic, uh, the Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere about the events that led up to the tragic collapse of the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant which, uh, oddly enough, I was just there a couple of days ago.
0: Oh, wow. And <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: you know, another synchronicity I guess. Right, yeah. But uh, Keel, you know, Keel, he took a very journalistic approach to looking at topics like UFOs, uh, Fortean phenomena, such as uh, the things that Charles Fort wrote about, uh, right. strange rains of, of frogs or, you know, chunks of ice, um, you know, fish, uh, all these types of things. Monster sightings, whether it was Bigfoot or uh, lake monsters, uh, all this wide range of things. So, Keel researched all of this material, started writing about it primarily initially in articles, and wrote for a whole range of popular magazines in the 1970s, magazines like Argosy and Saga. And then he went on to start looking into the events that were happening in Point Pleasant, West Virginia in the late 1960s, where people were reporting this mothman and he wrote a book called the mothman prophecies is what they based the movie off of but i always tell everybody you know if you're only going to read a couple of books in this field you have to read the mothman yeah, prophecy it's a must read, it, yeah.
0: 100 it's my first
3: yeah it,
1: it's um you know the the in some ways the movie doesn't do it justice at all because right. that's only a a tiny portion of what occurs and it's of course it's a dramatized version there's so much more in the book the mothman prophecies and you know just phenomenal things and of course has keel delved into all of these things he had a lot of very bizarre experiences himself which he consistently wrote about as they were <laughs> occurring so you know he he was really kind of tapped into the pulse of the period in terms of uh, again going back in 1970s now we were not far away from project blue book having been closed and the air force quote solving the ufo puzzle (laughs) uh you know the contactee movement was still in in full uh swing and and, you know all these people claiming countless encounters with aliens who were here for various reasons and uh, of course the you know all the events involving the mothman and other creature sightings around the country so uh, again keel is just phenomenal it's it's really nice that now all of his material pretty much is available. It's It's been collected in a number of volumes. And for those who are really interested, you can read his full catalog of work at this point. So he, he's certainly one of the people that I always recommend, you know, you got to read this guy.
3: Yeah, he's unbelievable. Um, David, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you've written these books Wood Knox already at the volume three and it's, um, it's, great great reads because it's taking uh research from all these other sasquatch researchers across the country and and really the world and and kind of diving into this mystery a little bit deeper what what have you kind of come up to the conclusion to now with all of your research are you leaning is this an animal is this something else what where where do you kind of stand at this point in time
1: oh let's open the can of (laughs) worms
3: that's what we do
1: best right to it (laughs) Right at the start. (laughs) So, you know, this is, first of all, again, I'll clarify for your listeners. So this really is sort of a can of worms because within the field of of cryptozoology, Bigfoot studies in particular, there's a real division. Uh, You have a large portion of people who are uh, scientific cryptozoologists who are actually absolutely convinced this is simply an undiscovered ape that has been in small numbers surviving in the wilderness in the United States and, and other places around the world. On the other side, you have you, you almost can't get any more polar opposite than this. <laughs> you have people that are... Uh, I, I have to carefully think of the right <laughs> words. <laughs> so you, you have people who profess that they are in regular contact with these creatures. Some say they are in psychic communion with them, yes. that these creatures are telepathic, that they are highly evolved. Uh, you know, some, some people, some of these uh, believers think that there's some kind of, you know, very uh, evolved species. It's even, you know, evolved beyond humans and they have a whole process that they go through to communicate with these these creatures and some of them even claim they receive spiritual lessons uh from the the uh, furry ones or the hairy creatures or you know mm. the, the sasquatches essentially so you know i because of my background and the way i've always approached this phenomena i i fall in a region that it's kind of unique in a sense uh, i i have a lot of connections to various native americans and, and tribal studies from around the world awesome. so you know i i early on went to native elders and talked to them about these creatures mm-hmm. and over time you know what i've come to believe is that yes we are dealing with a physical creature however i believe that this creature has abilities that we, you know, the common person would consider uh, to be paranormal or supernatural. Right. Yeah, and you know that alone—that statement alone always gets a lot of people worked <laughs> up. You know, oh, you're saying they're, you know, they're spacemen or whatever. No, uh, but what you have to understand is that I, I think that these creatures have some. Uh, sophisticated biological aspects that we just haven't discovered yet, and right. we've never encountered. That alone makes them paranormal, and and I use that term traditionally in that you know it's beyond the normal. A lot of people think paranormal just means ghost hunting. No, 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 no. You go back old school like me. Paranormal is is this whole field. You know, UFOs, Bigfoot, all of it. it it means beyond the normal, beyond the norm. And when you look at a lot of these encounters with these creatures, there are things that we just can't explain in traditional terms there's there's so many sightings where these creatures are there one moment and gone the next right there's you know the big question of uh track finds that seemingly just stop and, and vanish and a lot of these things you know there may be ways to explain this that we just don't understand yet i often use the analogy i, I say think about the first person who ever saw a chameleon you know he's look, looking at a lizard maybe it's laying on a tree or something and all of a sudden the thing's gone mm. so you know to him you know to that early guy i mean that was probably you know something of the gods that was probably right. something supernatural Magic, my god yeah. this thing just vanished you know it did it teleport did it you know what did it do so we may be looking at a physical creature with some kind of sophisticated camouflaging ability we may be looking at a creature that has an ability akin to infrasound right. that interferes not with just, not just with the human nervous system, but also with the the human mind. Because I tell you, there's been interesting accounts from hunters who have, you know, had one of these things in their scope, and they say they just couldn't fire. Uh, sometimes they'll say their their brain just kind of froze up. Right. Uh, some some people will say, well, it looked too human. I, I didn't want to fire on it. But other people will say. I don't know what happened. I had it in my scope and one minute it was there. And the next minute I just, I felt weird and it was gone. So, you know, those are some of the things I put out there in terms of uh, these creatures and, and how I approach it.
0: And yeah, we've talked on this podcast about people we've talked to who became, you know, physically ill from being near right what they yeah. believe to be a Bigfoot. And, oh, we, sure. yeah, and we were talking about animals that have that ability to put out whatever the a disabling, tigers, yeah. like tigers can disable... Um, so you're right, Dave. That's a great point. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, about, to me, the most terrifying, and I know you're kind of known for this, um, the black-eyed children phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Could you just explain briefly what they
1: are? Sure. This phenomena, it really, uh, it, it's, there's, there's not a solid explanation yet for for what Mm. they are. Uh, In basic terms, these encounters encompass uh, incidents where these kids show up at people's homes, Uh, they approach cars and parking lots, uh, hotel rooms, there's a wide range of of, uh, locations that they turn up. Uh, On average, there are between one and three of these kids, they are usually described as being in the range of between 10 and 13 years old. They have very pale skin and they have solid black eyes uh, you have to let that <laughs> nope. idea <sink> <laughs> no idea no much- we don't no we don't if you haven't seen the the depictions of these things it, it, it's it's a subtle kind of creepy and what happens in these encounters is that um these kids will show up and they will they will make very strange requests you know they'll knock on someone's door and they'll say, um, we want to come in and get a drink of water. And, you know, this is a child that the, the adults has never seen in their lives. You know, there's, there's never, uh, there's no connection to the neighborhood or anything else and as the encounter unfolds. <clears throat> and I should point out here that almost universally when these encounters begin, there's, there's not eye contact made. Hmm. So typically this child will show up uh, they'll be looking sort of down at the ground or at their shoes or something and they'll start making these odd requests at some point they'll look up and they'll make eye contact and that sort of takes things over the edge for the uh, the victim I, I believe these people are they're not witnesses they're victims because they really do suffer a lot of trauma from experiencing these kids uh, the best the best known encounter is from 1997 it's involved a gentleman named brian bethel and bethel a journalist in amarillo texas went out one night to drop off a check in an after-hours payment payment box he was sitting in his car in the strip center writing out a check and these two two kids approached his vehicle now he wasn't in a bad neighborhood he didn't you know they weren't holding a weapon or anything like that but initially he just felt uneasy so he only put the window down a little bit enough to hear the lead child who said, hey, mister, uh, we need a ride. And as the conversation unfolded, this kid is saying things like, we we need to see our mother. <laughs> oh, we, need, we need money for the movie. Bethel, you know, he's growing a bit more nervous, but he still has the mindset to glance over at the movie marquee. He realizes that The movie the kids want to see is more than half over. So this is not adding up. He clearly is reluctant to let the kids in. They're pressing more. And the kid says, just let us in the car. We're just a couple of kids. And as this continues to unfold, Brian looks closer at the child, makes eye contact, sees these solid black eyes now this is you know there's no whites there's no color in the pupil just the entire sclera is black much like the depictions of the alien grays that we're all used to seeing you know since um, since communion and and depictions like that so this was enough to push him over the edge and he (laughs) you know he sort of had your reaction kind of nope (laughs) but he threw the car in gear he backed out and has turning the car to leave he glances over in the parking lot and he finds that these kids have vanished there's nowhere for them to hide nowhere that they could have run too quickly they've just disappeared now the hallmarks of this encounter you know the these traits continued to show up over countless other encounters through the years uh bethel ended up posting his account online and he just had a flood of responses he he was so inundated with questions and people contacting him about this, that he, he sort of pulled back and disappeared from the whole thing for a while. He didn't want anything to do with it. He yeah. needed to go go away, so to speak. And it's interesting, because when I wrote the the first edition of the book, it came out in in 2012. And, you know, I had researched it, obviously, you know, for a couple of years prior to that, I wasn't able to reach Brian Bethel, you know, I sent him several messages, and uh, he just he wouldn't respond to anything. So it was only after the book had come out and had been out for a little while that he finally started surfacing and got in touch with me and you know he's he's had nothing but good to say about the book And in fact I in 2017 the, the very end of last year I did a revised edition of that book and it has an additional chapter called Brian Bethel 20 years later uh, it's him reflecting on the encounter and all the things that happened to him as a result of encountering these kids and i i that chapter alone i, I think is worth you know is worth the price of the book just because it, it's gold you know you're hearing it straight from this guy who had this weird iconic encounter at this point and i do always like to point out to people that even though that sort of set off the modern wave these accounts do go much further back in history a lot of people incorrectly believe this is an urban legend that it's very modern and that, that that there aren't any account encounters prior to Bethel's, but there are.
0: Okay, David, uh, we're kind of <laughs> freaking out here because
1: all right. Uh, oh, you need another creepy story. <laughs> no, no, we got one. I got for one,
0: you. one for you. So, <laughs> okay. and Ronnie's my witness. Cause this just happened and it's on camera. our reaction when you mentioned movie theater. So I, I, I didn't know the specifics of that story. I forgot, but um, Ronnie has known the story about me since we've met. It's one of the first things I told him. It's something I don't talk about a lot for fear of ridicule. But um, very quickly, I'll tell you my encounter. And you can tell me if you think it was a black-eyed children incident or maybe gin or tricksters or demons or whatever. But um, when I was in New York City, I was in New York City for 15 years doing the full-time actor thing. And my days consisted of you know auditions or shoots or recordings and then pounding the pavement to the next one. And so I went to the movies a lot. And um, during this particular time, I was having a reconversion back into uh, my Christian faith. I left the church for years, um, and I was getting back into it. And all these kind of mystical things were happening to me, all these synchronicities, these beautiful things. They were all beautiful. They are all lovely. They are all wonderful. Um, and around this time, I went to a film alone, which I did on average once a week minimum, sometimes three times a week. So I would have these gaps in between sessions, appointments. And this particular day I went to go see The Exorcism of Emily Rose and I walked into the theater uh-huh. um, and it, I was alone in the theater and behind me at some point um, three, I called them teenagers when I told the story, but I don't know how old they were, came in the theater or at least I became aware of them. It, to, to be honest, I don't remember them coming in. I don't remember the light of the door opening. I just remember hearing the tittering of, of teens and then I started to go, are they throwing stuff at me right now? Because I started to get the ting, ting, ting of things like getting thrown, like, you know, bees or whatever they were, M&Ms. Right. Uh, kinda, and then one just directly hit me. I go, all right, that's it. And I stood up, and I saw their outlines. I saw three kids in the way back, in the middle, where I was in the middle front. They were in the middle back. And I start walking back all angry. And they're, they were loud, too. I don't remember what they were saying, but they were loud, um, tittering, you know, laughing and tittering. And... Um, I left the theater because I go, I'm not going to confront these kids because they're probably kids and I'm an adult. I'm just going to go get a manager. And, of course, cliche, I get the employee and we walk back in and and they're gone. Nobody's there. So I go, all right, they left. They knew I was going to get the manager, whatever. Watched the rest of the movie, got on the subway, went to get my cell phone out of my bag, and it's gone. It's missing. Um, My cell phone was gone. And it was in the bag. I didn't take it out. It was in there. I shut it off when the movie started because I would do that. And it's just gone. And in the next day or two, people in my life started getting these vile voicemail messages. You know, um, think Linda Blair and the Exodus, your mother's a C, blah, blah, blah. And sure. almost everybody that got them <laughs> was either very religious or just um, you know, Catholic or otherwise Christian. And I kind of did that math as it was happening. And I was overwhelmed with the feeling that I had been visited by demons or or tricksters or djinn. I never saw their eyes, so I can't say it was black-eyed children. What do you think when you hear that story? And, and it's funny you mentioned movie theater and telling right. that and account. And Ronnie and I looked each other. I was my like, God. "Oh my!" <laughs> <clears throat> you know, it,
1: it certainly. This is one of the things about this phenomenon. The book that I wrote, you know, I really made an effort to not voice my personal opinion with, about what these things were, but to promote, you know, to put the evidence out there and say, this is why these things could be demons. This is why they could be gin, all those different things, because the weird thing about this phenomena is when you look at it, it, it has things in common with so many other areas of the strange. Right. I mean, they share tracing in common with the men in black. Mm. Aliens, demonic entities, and so forth. Now, it's pretty fascinating to me that one you were in there to see uh, that movie (laughs) in (laughs) particular,
3: exactly classic film, a
1: a classic film about you know demonology. And And I I hesitate
0: to tell the story because I feel like that alone makes it sound like I'm you know being disingenuous. I was seeing that movie, but I was. (laughs) Yeah, and and,
3: and you get the three right, two or three kids. They're throwing stuff at you. You can't see what. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Do, is
1: and, there any you know, record of, course, of them we...
0: taking can they take a physical object like that? Like could is there any record in the story? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well. Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Shit.
0: <laughs> Son of a bitch.
2: Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc, available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble and everywhere fine books are sold
1: you want a long story that kind of wraps in a bunch of the stuff we've been talking about, please? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> not long after the book came out, uh, I started getting messages from this woman and she said, uh, you know, her question to me was she said, how much can these black eyed kids interfere with electronics? And I sort of had this back and forth, uh, exchange with her and she told me that she, she got the book. She was really interested in the topic. And I, I've heard things like this incidentally from more than one person. So she got the book. She was interested in the topic. She started reading it. And the first time she starts reading it, she hears this noise in her, in her home. She doesn't know what it is. She, she locates it. It turns out to be the, um, the clock, the, um, timer on her oven. Now this freaked her out because she'd never used it in her life. She never used a timer for anything. All of a sudden it's going off. Hmm. So a couple of these incidents happen like this with things going off. It culminates in her garage door opening itself, opening itself one day when she's reading the book. And, you know, she's got the fobs. There's no other controls. She was really flipped out. She said, I'm really interested in this topic, but I, I I don't want any visitation. So I'm leaving this alone. And the phenomena stopped. Now, things got even stranger has several people reported these things to me. But the the real start to this crazy story began one day when I got a call on my cell phone. It's from a friend of mine who's in Kentucky. And I answered the phone, nothing there. You know, it's just dead air. And I think, oh, he pocket dialed me or something. Well, this begins to happen over and over and over again. And it has weird... Uh, You know, it's, it's just, it'll go, I'll let it go to voicemail and it'll leave long messages, but there's nothing there. Mm. I shoot him a message and I say, look, man, you keep pocket dialing me, you know, and he apologizes. Right. And then, you know, it happens a few more times and uh, I, I pick it up one day and there's a message on there. It's really long. I play the message and I hear a kid laughing. I regret to this day that I didn't somehow save that message. The problem was, is that he had a young child and, you know, taking the logical approach, I hear this message, you know, I hear background noise. I hear a kid laughing. I think, ah, his kid's freaking pocket dialing me, right. you know, uh, so or, or he got his phone and is dialing my number. So I got a hold of him and I said, look, man, I said, mm-hmm. your kid's getting your phone and keeps dialing my number. So, again, you know, I get this whole, oh, man, yeah, she'll do that. I really apologize. You know, it's not going to happen again. Well, guess what? It does. But now the calls take a turn. <clears throat> I'll get up to leave my office and I'll come back and the phone is wrong. I it, It'll go off at, at 3.30 in the morning, 4 a.m., you know, and I typically, I mean, I was. Now, bear in mind, too, I was working on strange intruders as this was going <laughs> on. Okay. So, <clears throat> it gets crazier because. You know, I, I mean, I kind of keep writers hours, you know, whenever I, I can write, I write. So, you know, there are times I'll stay up the entire night and write. And as soon as I would go to bed, you know, be 6 a.m., I'd get up later and see Log, a mislogged 6 a.m., you know, from his number. So I'm sitting in the office one day and <laughs> I get I, the phone rings from him. I ignore it right at this point and. <clears throat> Then I get a message pop up from him on the computer and he's like, Hey man, he's like, dude, dude, it's really me. I got to talk to you. <laughs> so I'm like, what? what the heck's going on? He is flipping out. He's now this guy's a paranormal investigator. Okay. And, you know, involved in all kinds of crazy stuff too. He, he gets me, he says, you won't f and believe this. He said, I'm laying on my bed, reading your book, Black Eyed Children. My phone is on the bed in the middle of the bed next to me. No one is touching it out of my peripheral vision. I see my phone light up. Oh. I look over at it. It's dialing your number. Shit. So now he's really flipping out. He says, dude, I'm taking this to the cell phone people tomorrow. First thing <clears throat> goes to the cell phone place. The next day, tells them what's going on. They're looking, you know, all these logs call after call to me, right? No, no other number, no other anomalies with the phone. The techs look it over. They keep it for a while. They bring it back out to him. They say, there's nothing wrong with your phone. We can't explain why it's doing this. So he lets me know all of this. <clears throat> the calls continue. And then one day, now this, this part, I kind of found out in the aftermath because one day the, you know, my phone rings and it, and it's him and it was, The last call. The reason being that he had his phone on the dash of his car. He was taking a road trip. Sitting on the dash of his car, he saw that phone light up and dial my number one final time, one final time, the moment he drove across the bridge into Point Pleasant, West Virginia.
0: Good Lord. Come on. So that would be a yes. They can
1: manipulate cell phones.
0: Thanks a lot, David. That's
1: so, you know, and and the thing was, I mean, it was such a, uh, you know, Keelian moment, if you will, for me, because in in the aftermath, I I sat there stunned realizing. And he he told me, you know, he told me right away. uh, He he contacted me right afterwards. He's like, dude, you're not going to believe this. My phone just lit up and called you as as soon as we drove under the Point Pleasant sign across the bridge. So, of course, you know, I sat there. I mean, I heard all of this and I I literally, I just sat in my office. I was stunned. I'm thinking, I I had this feeling that something, and that's the term I use, something was saying to me, see, we can do whatever we want whenever.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. And that's the thing. It felt so helpless. Like my wife, I, if I remember correctly, I think my father-in-law, who's deeply religious, got one of these messages. I'll have to ask my wife, but I, I do remember talking to my wife and her going like, "Jeez, uh, Matt, your phone got hacked or something?" Because they were leaving nasty messages, you know. And I just felt like I can't I can't do anything about yeah, this. Out They've of your gotten control. my phone. Yeah, and I shut. I had the phone shut off, of course, th- through you know eighteen two, whoever it was. But um, that feeling of helplessness, and I had that feeling of like, I'm not in charge of this you know like there's right. nothing i can do yeah and it's a horrible feeling it was it was it was really frightening and boy isn't that funny you're so influenced by john keel and the whole mothman thing and then that happens there mm. unbelievable
1: what a story yeah, it was it was it was unreal it's uh, <laughs> uh you know even to this day it's one of those things i just think oh my gosh you know you can't <laughs>
0: the um yeah. author is david weatherly the book strange intruders of course uh, also wood um uh ronnie you have another
3: question yeah i had i had one question for you David. i'm done i'm (laughs) done (laughs) maddie might quit the podcast after this seriously (laughs) david a lot of people don't know that i mean you have an unbelievable extensive background but uh you're also a shaman correct
1: yes that's correct
3: um which i find uh, i feel like i've been on this path now for the past couple of years where i'm trying to learn more about it and um I went up to Maine a couple of years ago to, uh, Audrey and Debbie Starborn's event, uh, two twin, uh, sisters that have had abduction experiences and they had an event, uh, up in Maine and Richard Dolan was emceeing, uh, Kiwani was actually there, who's also a shaman and has done a lot of research within the Sasquatch and Bigfoot, um, mm-hmm. you know, fields. but. So I I met him, um, gave him a book, my book, and maybe like a day later, when I was outside, I had this praying mantis land on me, and it looked like I'll send you a picture of it. It looks like an alien. It does black eyes, gray, brown, and it (laughs) it landed on me, and that and you know for me the only person that would be like, okay, I'm going to look at the spiritual significance of the praying mantis as like a spirit animal. Cause I was in that kind of realm, like focusing on that, but sure. what, what is your interpretation of that? Because I've, I've been trying to get some answers on it and there's been some cool things around it. And at the same time, a little
1: <laughs> intimidating to me, I guess, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> In intimidating. Uh, you talking about the mantis uh, specifically, or well, are you talking about the? I, I just the think entire... the the
3: coincidence because I did talk to um, Audrey Starborn after that. And she's like, "Oh, that's crazy." She's like, "Last year, they were all over the place, flying all over," and um, and there's a significance that you know. Um, I guess certain cultures deem praying mantis almost like a, a manifestation of God, um, and I just I this whole. Ride's been very spiritual for me, but I just would love to get your interpretation right. of that. I know everything is for that specific person, but there's times where I think someone with your background would be able to kind of enlighten me a little bit on that,
1: if there's yeah, anything so, at all. <laughs> well, so, I mean, the mantis, the praying mantis in general, if it's, you know, that kind of experience that you're describing, it, it's often how a totem animal or a spirit animal will manifest to you and, and make itself known. Mm. and sort of begin to create that connection with you and every animal of course has its own unique um, qualities and and things that it brings when it it forges that connection so the mantis in general it's interesting some of the terminology used because the praying mantis you know it it represents uh very calculated and considered movements you Mm. know the the mantis is known as being very elegant and for uh calculating this it's movements out ahead of time it's an animal of awareness and mindfulness right you know it's it's no uh it's no coincidence that buddhism you know uh, talks about the mantis being very buddha-like because it it is uh, slow and aware and very patient Uh, and it's also you know one of its traits is um creativity but it also does have to do with connecting to the divine. Hmm. You know, it's sort of this, uh, it's seen as being graceful beauty in terms of, you know, being able to see beauty in everything and hence connecting with God through that.
0: And, and David, what does it mean, again, thinking about our listeners who might not be versed in this stuff as as we are, uh, what, what does it mean in 2018 to be a shaman? <laughs> Great question.
1: Man, that's a good question, and and you know, I think that for everyone, really, it's it's sort of individual. You know, for me, it's been a very individual path. Uh, it developed for me at a very young age because you know what happened was uh, I grew up in the rural area of North Carolina, and bear in mind this was the 1970s. So the stuff I was interested in, you, you know, yeah. no one else around me was, yeah. and. um you know, I, I found myself very compelled by by two things, the, the paranormal in general, just everything weird. And, and at the same time, I was very intrigued by magic, uh, you know, tribal traditions, uh, magical mm. paths, you know, uh, like shamanism. So I pursued the two things at the same time, you know, to me, they were very interconnected and, and remain very interconnected to this day and i think uh, one has benefited the other for me personally because uh in terms of the paranormal stuff you know the the supernatural world is really the world of the shaman and you get into these tribal cultures uh, all over the world uh, they view all of these things as simply a part of the universe as simply a part of of our experience here so there's not there's not that stigma that uh, if you believe in ghosts you know you're nuts Uh, all those types of things. And um, as I said, you know, the the two paths unfolded at the same time for me and really have have always kind of been one. So for me, you know, I I just continue to do do what I really love doing. And the shamanic aspect offers me a lot of things. It it offers me a certain level of uh, protection and understanding, a perspective I think that a lot of people don't have when it comes to various phenomena. And again, sort of that holistic view of of the universe, not just the things that we can explain, but even more importantly, the things that we can't currently logically explain. And, you know, it's, it's a constantly evolving path, you know, I I don't think it's stagnant at all. Uh, It's funny, because when in terms of the paranormal stuff, when I, I was joked that when I started doing this stuff, if I went to a party and told people what I did, I was guaranteed a nice quiet evening alone <laughs> because, you know, everybody's that guy's asking about ghosts and big feet and, you know, just stay the heck away from, him, you know, and and now if I go to a party and people find out what I do, <laughs> you know, it's uh, there's a queue out the door because everybody has a question. We were just and, talking
0: about that, how fast it's you know, changed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, and I think it's cool because, you know, from a shamanic perspective, what I see is a lot more people, unknowingly opening up their consciousness and awareness on a different level. And I, I think that's something that on a planetary scale would definitely very desperately need.
0: Yes. I don't think so. I think things are going just fine as they are. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Trump. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) You got one more Ronnie? All right. So, uh, you know, David, we, we could ask you questions all night, but you've given us more time than we expect it anyway. So thank you so much. Um again the book is Strange Intruders. Um and then the book Woodknocks. How old is Wood Uh uh David. Is that is that the new one? Uh
1: the well let's see. I, gosh, I've got so many books out. So Woodknocks volume three just yes. came out. Okay, uh, that's the what last, so I have two here last okay. month. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's three volumes. The the new volume has the cover is a Sasquatch in the desert because I wrote about encounters in Arizona in that volume so there's three volumes of wood knots, really a collection of of you know pieces from incredible cryptozoologists all over the world at this point have contributed to it and um, i'm very happy with some of the contributions to that all all the contributions to it so yeah the three volumes of wood knots, uh, strange intruders black Eyed children revised edition which came out the end of last year i've got uh Got about five books coming out this year, guys. Wow, come on. awesome! So, um, awesome, keep them yeah, coming. A lot, man. a lot more material. There, there's a number of uh DVD productions I, I worked on that, that have come out this year of investigations of haunted locations. So I, I stay on the move and I, you know, I, I travel and, and just love doing this stuff 24 So, and
0: uh, before I ask my final question, yeah. where can we find you? Where can people find you on social media and all that?
1: Yeah, there's well, I've got Facebook, of course, there's uh, a blog at two crows paranormal.blogspot.com uh yes the crow is my totem animal <laughs> that's not a clue uh there's um there's a youtube channel uh, under society of the supernatural with some of the haunted investigations and of course all the books are on uh at amazon.com and lots of other cool stuff coming from me this year too excellent we're gonna
3: get you out of here still yeah safe.
1: we're, we're <laughs> right down the, we're, we're so we are a few
0: miles from Monsterland. We're on the outskirts of Monsterland here, where all this stuff has happened—from you know UFOs to Bigfoot and all that. And then we're only probably what 20 minutes from the Bridgewater Triangle, maybe a half hour, Puckwudgies oh, and all that. Right. So we got to get yeah. you here,
1: man. You, you'd have a field day. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and I love Ronnie's post. So, you know, I read that and I was like, okay, this—I got to—I yeah. <laughs> got to get out to this region and see. Thanks, what's David. Going.
0: Yeah, New England altogether is crazy. Uh, David, one last one from me, uh, and this is kind of, I guess, just personal because. You know, the three of us are believers, so I'm not going to do the whole, like, do you think there's anything to this or what, you know, the connections between all these things. Like, I think Slender Man's a straight up demon that was put in that guy's head that already existed. Um, uh, And the black eyed children thing, my story, all that, all these things, as you said, there seems to be a common thread somehow, or at least a lot of the experiences are common. So my question to you is, what can we do to protect ourselves?
1: Oh, geez. Okay. So, (laughs) Mm. you know, I, I tell everybody to find the spiritual path that you're personally comfortable with and draw from that you know one of the flaws that really comes up in this field especially in terms of people doing haunted locations uh, they go in somewhere and they find a problem and they say oh well you know this is this house has uh, demonic entities you need to get a priest in here we're gonna bless it for you what if the family's Jewish you know what right. what if they're, what if, right. what if they're what if they're Buddhist, right? You know, this is never considered. Another thing that's never considered is, okay, well, you know, have you looked at the, the background? If you considered, uh, you know, what's the origin of the native land here? What exactly are, yes. Yeah. A Catholic priest is going to be ineffective against, you know, a Shawnee spirit that's pissed off about something. So, wow. you know, I, I think it's really important in those terms to look at the various angles and on a personal level, I, I get asked that question all the time. I tell people, look, consider your own spirituality, you know, whether you need to go back to the the roots of what you were raised in or whether you converted to something or whether there's just something that you're comfortable with and draw from that. And, and if you're not spiritual, then, you know, consider, looking at some basic things that are spiritual and just consider them a psychological defense. You know, if it makes you feel better uh, and, and more protected by all means, pursue that. And, you know, it's funny you ask this question because I have to throw something in here. I didn't address earlier. Mm. You're telling the story about, about your encounter in the theater. And I have to point out that in, in most encounters with black eyed children uh, a good portion of the encounters the people who witness these things tend to be not be practicing a spiritual path at the
2: time
1: but shortly after the encounter they become more spiritual they they retreat back to you know their catholic upbringing or their jewish roots or whatever it is and time and time again i've been told I just wanted something that was spiritual comfort that I felt like would give me more protection. So, you know, and your, your story is kind of a a little bit of a different take on that, but it's fascinating to me that you were just delving back into, right? Yeah, your spiritual uh, beliefs and had this encounter. Yeah, so, I felt
0: like I was getting. I, th- I felt like they were trying to stop it, or, or, or just let me know they were there, or mm, just mess me possible. up.
1: They were. They, it felt very tricksterish.
0: It, it felt bad. It felt um, evil. <clears throat> and one of the guys, I was in touch at that time with a priest, actually a very famous priest in the Catholic Church um, who did a lot of work in this area, including uh, investigating claims of miracles and exorcisms and things like that, who happened to be in New York State in Westchester, and I was in contact with him, and his guy got a call, like a nasty one. So I thought of the the 400 names or whatever on my phone,
3: like those
0: people got the calls. I mean, I just, I can't equate it to anything else but something malevolent. But it's interesting,
3: though, how it kind of sent you in that,
0: Oh, positive every, direction oh right? I, I was i was like i said i was i was reconverting it was all nice and beautiful but i maybe had still one foot in the toe yeah. of kind of like uh oh, yeah this is nice
1: i, I <laughs> <Then> dove you... <laughs> in
0: after that experience so if if, if if their goal was to keep me from it it had the opposite effect actually
1: you know it so had... obviously you know for you something like a saint michael or or On, a saint, yep. Bened- saint benedict is excellent protector you know yep. mm. i wear yep. something around my saint neck
0: every day so yeah there you go uh, david this has
1: been yeah just
0: awesome, awesome. man. And, and like I said, we want to get you here. We want to uh, have you back on the show. So yeah, we can't great. thank you enough.
1: Thank you, David. Hey, anytime, guys. I had a great time talking with you. So uh, yeah, just let me know. Awesome.
2: You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake.
0: If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go uh, destroy my cell phone. <laughs> I'll be right back. Just go throw my cell phone out. Wow, what an interview.
3: Unreal. I was getting chills when he was describing the black-eyed
0: children. and, the, and Those that, things uh, are, I think, out of anything. And what he didn't mention, too, in the book, you read the book, um, the cadence with which these kids... Now, here's another tie-in to men in black. Mm. People report that men in black are almost speaking like they don't quite know English. Right, And yeah. these black-eyed children do Very the same similar. thing. Yep. They'll say things like, one of the cases in the book, I believe, um, the guy, they come to his door, and they say, it is... It is eating time now. Oh, or something to that effect. It is food time now. <gasps> which is freaking <laughs> horrifying. Like they're kind of like pretending to be human or something. It's uh, So there's so much to these things. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, great interview. David Weatherly, check out his books. So such a good writer and such a good guy. Made yeah. energy to his voice. I, w- I want to have him back. Absolutely. Um, once again, we are powered by many people who make this possible. Of course, Pod 617. Of course, the unstoppable tour de force that is Ian Barrett, Ugh. media boss, where we're filming this thing right now, um, and uh, and the team at Squatchachusetts, the local chapter of the BFRO here. Uh, Ronnie, where can people find Squatchachusetts who happen to be in this area of New England and might have a sighting or want to have a sighting? Right,
3: yeah, so Squatchachusetts, You can find them on Facebook. They have a closed group that you can ask to join, uh, but it's a great way to connect with other people in Massachusetts and, and the surrounding New England area, they'll get in contact with other people, investigators. If you had an encounter or a sighting, they'll help you out to, you know, is this something that's real or is this something else? Uh, so they're they are great guys.
0: Thank you, Team squatch And how about a little mail?
2: Now it's time for Monster Mail.
0: So Ronnie, I noticed a conspicuous lack of a Monsterland case yes. file today, <clears throat> which actually I'm glad about because I want to take a break <laughs> after the Fort Devon's file we opened. Yeah,
3: and you want to sleep tonight? Yeah, exactly. So you have mail, though. I do. This is really very cool because we're actually going to see how a a case file kind of comes to be because I got a direct message uh, a couple of days ago before we started filming here from a friend who's going to remain anonymous. Okay. Uh, He had a sighting recently, and it's been ongoing. This also involved a police officer. Okay, hold on. So, <laughs> can
0: I just stop you for a second? Yes. So this is basically... Our Monster Mail is basically a brand new case file. A Correct. brand new Monsterland case file, which you will... Right. It doesn't even have a number. It yet. doesn't have a number yet. Like, Holy it's spank. coming in. All right, and this is
3: cool. I've known this guy for a long time. All right. Uh, very credible. Um, can we give him a fake name so we can just refer to him as something? Let's call him Tom. Tom. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so the other thing is he he's a little... He's a little nervous, but he kind of told me this story, and I connect with him um, on the phone and um, also in person. And he had a sighting that uh, he actually called, and I'm not going to – it's not necessarily in Lemonster, but it's next to Lemonster, very close. Very close to Monsterland. Because I don't want to mention the The police department. (laughs) Got it. Okay, okay. Okay. So uh, Just just uh, as it's still early, but I I do want to say it's within the vicinity because – (laughs) <laughs> it's it's within it's within Monsterland land itself yeah. in that area um but it's just an unreal um story so anyways he's been going out at night in his backyard and he has an unbelievable view um and he's noticed these what he described to me as drone looking vehicles that are the shape of diamonds and they are flying. He sees a, a pair of them almost like following each other and almost doing maneuvers. So he's been watching them and, and he's called the police a few times. Well, finally, one of the times he called I and mean, was having this sighting, uh, a police officer showed up at his house. They're in the backyard and Tom tells him, you know, these things keep on buzzing over my house. They're flying over. He says this too. He goes, and when they do fly over, like if they're on the phone or something, they'll hear like this weird, like they'll be talking, and all of a sudden something will fly over, and they'll hear like weird kind of like uh, signals interfer- coming. Interference. Th- yes, and he just thinks it's you know it's a plane or something. But
0: now, Ian, uh, stop you again, Ian, our director. You you use drones sometimes in your shots with your cameras and stuff. And I know Prometheus when I yeah do. could could a, could a drone cause that type of interference? Paul? Probably not,
3: right? So so this is, you know, he, he has a police officer come over. They're in the backyard, and Tom tells him, listen, this thing buzzes over my house one more time. I'm going to shoot it out of the sky, you know? He has weapons. He has guns. Yeah. He And the police officer, you can't do that. He's like, why not? It's, it's, He feels like it's spying on the house, like it's coming near the windows and things like that. As they're talking about this, a diamond-shaped craft, which is the size of maybe like a door almost, or a little bit smaller than a door, flies over them the police officer pulls out his flashlight has it on the craft as they're watching it together and it flies over his roof and he's like see there it is and then they both looked at each other as this thing passed over and they realized that it was silent it didn't make a sound
0: so when he told me that about a drone I was like you know you're gonna hear sounds especially something that big they were they were actually pretty loud I know because uh, again on Oak Island I'm not just doing this to plug my own show when I do drilling down, we use a lot of drone shots. And when it comes down, we have to separate the audio because it goes... Vroom, those, those things make right. a pretty loud noise right. on, those, on those really powerful drones. So dead silent. Oh, now, oh. here's
3: the other weird connection here, too. is um, I'm friends with his sister as well, okay. who has also had a sighting. So this is actually spawning into another kind of Monsterland file because she had a... a and there could be even deeper to this too, but she had a, a sighting uh, in Lemon City. This goes back to 2008. And she was in a building that was all kind of glass windows around. They're up on the second floor. She was with her boss. Beautiful day out, you know, no clouds in the sky. And they saw what she described to me as a black box, like a rectangle, no wings, just a box flying in the sky. And she says to her boss, "Do you see that?" She's like, "Yeah, that black box-looking thing." What the? And this thing is just flying across very slowly. And she goes, "You know what?" She's like, "I don't even remember how that ended. Like we were talking about it, uh, and then it was almost like we kind of lost interest. In almost we, lost time. It, something or, or just so. So here's the thing that really creeped me out. As she's telling me the story, and her brother Tom is is with her, and and he goes, "Hey." You remember that time when we were like five or six and we had that hot air balloon land in the backyard? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I said, "Guys, no, I wasn't a hot air
0: balloon." I said, "Guys, I'm sorry. Uh,
3: there was no hot air balloon that landed in your backyard. That was a freaking UFO let's, or something. That's like a screen memory. Let's test them for metal in their body. I'm telling you. you know what I'm so, saying, yeah. I think there's a. I think there's a, a lifelong set of experiences Clearly. with both of them Clearly. that they're not aware of until Clearly. now. This
0: is almost a textbook case of that type of stuff. It's, and again, yeah. for those of you who don't know, my my friend Uncle Buck who listens to the show goes, you keep mentioning these things and I don't know what you're talking about. I have to remember that people don't know this stuff. The the joke I make about th- what Ronnie describes often does happen with families and then they have repressed memories and then it turns out under hypnosis or something they were completely abducted and all this right. stuff and I made a joke about metal in their body because there's been a phenomenon of alien implants, metal in, in abductees' bodies that right. has actually been tested. Yep, Dr. Roger Lear. Dr. Roger Lear, who unfortunately passed. Right. But um, And this metal is coming up as anomalous. They can't exactly determine what it is and, and how, to, how it got in these people's bodies, and it seems to be connected to them, like, on their Right, their yeah, tissue. it actually would connects to the nervous system. And the nervous it system. system. It <laughs>
3: uses the, the body's energy to, like a battery, to power it.
0: Okay, <laughs> so let's back up. <laughs> <laughs> Can we... All right, I have about uh, 50 questions, but we got to go because we're, we're late. Uh, <laughs> that's a podcast. No, screw it. We make the rules. Um, <laughs> I keep... See, I've got the radio clock See? in See? Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh,
0: okay. Um, eventually, d- did the police officer make a report on this? He has we're to, trying does. to find out. The, I, because I, isn't there some sort of freedom of information
3: I, in a town? You know what? Yes, but... I, yes, and I think that in this situation, he would probably... So we're looking into that now. Okay. We're trying to get in touch with the police officer. Okay. To get him to tell his story <laughs> as well. <laughs> we are so going to get shot. Um, so I'm working on this. Okay. So if and I disappear. Yeah, right. Okay.
0: But so that's my first question is eventually if there's a report, we would be able to get access to it. Right. And it might say okay. a drone or something along
3: oh, those yeah. lines, but we can then say, look at the police this officer. was there at uh, the okay, property at this okay. time. Yep.
0: So we're looking into that, and understand this is sensitive because people's careers are on the line, of reputations. Um, that being said, can we go to his house and look at this thing, and, and not necessarily do the podcast? He
3: has he has invited us. All right, let's do to that. Come to his property. Let's go look at stay it. Stay over. Do whatever we want. Let's do that. Why don't we do yeah. a little
0: investigation? We'll report back here with his permission, of course. Sounds. Great. And then eventually, maybe we'll get to the point where, after we browbeat him, he'll come on the podcast he, and just totally admit who he is. No. And, uh, <laughs> He, he says when he hears that, me talk about black-eyed children at X's Road. He's going to run.
3: He's going to run away. If, if <laughs> I'll be like,
0: well, if this jerk admits that, I can admit I saw something fly over my house.
3: But what's amazing is that this is ongoing I now. love that.
0: I love that you did that because I like looking in the past at Monsterland, which we will continue to do from time to time, and a- as those cases relate to international cases right. that we look at. But I love that this is going on now to, to show you that Monsterland is still very much active.
3: Yeah, and you know what? The hope is that there's others that are listening to this that are in this area of Central Mass, uh, even just within Massachusetts. Have you had a a sighting of this type of diamond-shaped craft? We would love to hear from you because I know there's others that have seen this.
0: Or or anywhere. And and yes, local, so we can get to it. But anywhere around the world, if you're listening to this, we want to hear your stories. And you can do that at...
3: Yeah, at Monsterland Podcast on Facebook. And if you're looking on Twitter... Uh, Instagram, it's at Pod. And our email?
0: monsterlandreport at gmail.com. monsterlandreport at gmail.com. We want your emails. And in fact, we got a good one. Speaking of non-local, this is from Linda S. Um, and she's from Nova Scotia. She listened mm. to our interview with uh, Joe Lessard, of The Curse of Oak Island. Excellent. She lives right near Shag Harbor. Oh, and the famous... The Shag yeah. Harbor incident. And she says she has a cousin... That was involved. She believes with aliens and, and possible abduction. Wow! And that there's a man named Al who is an elderly man, but he is uh, let's see, uh, he is an elderly um, and he is looking into why they why they are here and what do they want to tell us. Uh, we met recently, uh, or excuse me, we saw. Recently, he placed an ad in a local paper in Nova Scotia looking for experiences. Mm. And he's looking to bring people together who either had to do with that incident or have had their own experiences in that area and come together and share and all that. So oh, we'll keep fantastic. our eye on that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the Shag Harbor
3: incident. Well, the what I do know about it, um, I believe it was like 1954, but there was a... UFO very similar to what we talked about with the Tic Tac UFO where they 60s. had a they 60s. had a okay yep. they had a uh, a UFO which they think was under the water. This was the navy uh, I believe it was the Canadian Navy and the American Navy as well that yes. witnessed this craft under the water that seemed to be damaged and there was another UFO craft that was down there in the water actually helping fixing it. And they were watching this, I think, over a course of, what, three days or
0: something along those lines. Yeah, it's an incredible sight. If it, uh, We don't have time to get into it now, but look up uh, Shag Harbor UFO incident if you don't know about it. Also, pre-incident, I forgot about this, mm. pre-incident aerial phenomenon that a flight, let me see if we can find the flight, uh, Air Canada Flight 305, listen to this, Air Canada Captain Pierre Chabonon, <laughs> Flight 305 pointed out, <laughs> To (laughs) co-pilot Bob Talk about the short end of the stick, right? Yeah Main pilot, Captain Pia Co-pilot, Bob Ralph (laughs) (laughs) Poor Bob Ralph Uh. Uh, There was something strange Out the left side of the aircraft At 7.15pm In his report, the captain reports An object tracking along on a parallel course A few miles away Mm. Brilliantly lit, rectangular object With smaller lights trailing the larger Smaller object. lights. So it sounds like orbs trailing. At seven nineteen, yeah. the pilots noticed a silent explosion near the large object. Two minutes later, a second explosion occurred, which faded to a blue cloud around that object. And sounds then, like a portal opening. Yeah, what the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah, or maybe that craft went down somehow, huh. and there was a, or maybe it was a U.S.O. and that's how they. Anyway, so um, thank you for that email and we will stay in touch up there with Nova Scotia and see what they come up with. <sighs> what a show, man. Wow. Holy what cow.
3: What a show. I mean, just your... I feel like you've gotten some... I don't know if I would say closure, but I feel like uh, you're getting a little bit more insight on your personal experience, but Definitely. it seems to be even more freakier
0: now. Definitely. <laughs> <That> well, <laughs> <you> <laughs> what's I'm, a, I'm like a reluctant experiencer in a way, and and all these things are coming at me fast and furious now, yeah. and I'm able to... And it's so funny to be comforted at the same time you're terrified. Like, I'm comforted in the fact that David, to David, this story I told him was like, (laughs) yeah, which example do you want of things that are exactly like (laughs) it? (laughs) Which terrifies me. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just says that because this is real. It validates right? that yeah. it was real. It yeah. validates because you do that game with yourself. You go, ah, I just made it up because I was at a scary movie, or I, 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 I'm remembering it wrong, or I'm exaggerating in my own mind. But, but uh, no, when I'm alone and I think about that, I know. And I left out a part actually. What? When I got to the subway and my phone was gone. Now again, this could be coincidence. Oh, oh. I've told you this that across guy the platform. That was, like staring at you. yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you felt this yeah, yeah, yeah. evil yeah, sensation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was look- I didn't feel it. He was looking at me like, like you know, like this. So and and you do see homeless people all the time subway. So anyway, but basically, yeah. I'll, I'll, f- people listening don't know what I'm talking about. But I did leave something out of that story that when I was feeling this horrible feeling of like, where's my phone and who were the, and then I started and I was spooked up by the movie of course. Yeah. And I'm in the subway. I'm all alone, which is rare in the middle of the day, but I'm all alone. And going the other way, I was going back into Midtown, going the other way. oh I think I was getting on the six. Um, yeah, I was going on the six to Grand Central on the other side of the platform, there was this like v- homeless guy dirty, and he's just i didn't notice it at first, and he's staring at me like a like a movie scene like Whoa. trains are going <clears throat> by the middle tracks. Oh. And he's just staring at me like this. Gaze this not broken. nasty look on his face and just like, why is this guy? And I'm looking at my phone and I just had the feeling of oh. dread, you know, and I'm just like, get me out of here. What is going on? What is going on? And I got on that train and I took off and it was, and that was it. But What I, a crazy experience. I had to mention that because that was part of the experience for me when I think back on it. I always think mm. of his face. And we didn't talk to David about the smiling man, the grinning man. right.
3: Which we will. Well,
0: we'll have him back. Which is... He was was great. Which is close to what I saw. Um, He wasn't grinning, but it was that maniacal... Yeah. All right, let's end it. Man. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, thank you all. Thank you, Ronnie LeBlanc. Thank you, Matty Blake. Thank you, Pod617. Thank you, Media Boss. Thank you, Ian. Ian, love you. Thank you, Squatchachusetts. We will see you next time. And remember, Monsterland's not just a place, it's a space up in here and in here.
2: Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland.